and welcome to Cigarcaster, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Nails here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Debbin, and I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. So, tonight I have a special cigar. I'm not going to just launch right into the cigar, but I got a good story, so I have to tell it. All right. This is a rescue cigar. A I rescue cigar. A rescue cigar. I was I was in the cigar shelter. It blinked its eyes at me. I had oh no. You this, took it home. You got it microchipped. <laughs> this cigar was literally seconds from the garbage can when I picked it up. So at a shop I go to, infrequent, their humidor went a little wild. So it did. And it got vastly. Trey's looking at the cigar for those of you at home following along. It got vastly... Looks like a payday bar at this point. <laughs> it got vastly over-humidified. Mm-hmm. It was spongy, but it wasn't... You know, there's one little rupture back here by the cap, but it wasn't, wasn't irredeemable. And the guy sitting behind the counter, he said, I'm going to throw this away. Do you want it? I said, yes, I'm going to save that cigar. So it's a Don Gonzalez, and it's a um, one of his hand rolls. And if you feel of it now feels about right, right? Mm-hmm. When I got it, it was like a Pillow sponge. Signed. So I, I went through the procedure. So, so for everybody out there, rescuing a cigar that's been, over, been under-humidified, that's dry, is relatively easy. You just bring it back kind of slow, get it back to humidity. It's, it, it's not as bad. But now rescuing a cigar that has been over-humidified, especially to the point this one was is kind of an art form because I felt like I needed to dry it out quick because I didn't want mold, mold, mildew, any of those things to set up in the cigar. So I knew I had to, I had to think quick. I'm curious your method because there are two that I know of that work a sight. Well, mine was a multi-step process. Okay. So first I put it in my cigar kit where it would be protected, where it would have the protection not to take any more damage right top priority point point of reference this because you mentioned it was a hand roll it's not in cellophane right so you have to take a little bit extra care to protect the wrapper yeah this one this one is all natural and it never it never has been in cellophane these come just like this well that doesn't matter um so i set it in set it in my kit so that it would be protected i took it home i put it in the refrigerator for a couple of hours and that did not work as well as I thought it would. No, it doesn't. It was you get condensation. Right. So it was actually getting a little wetter. So I jerked it out of the refrigerator. I happened to have a humid- humidor in my house that I don't use anymore. So I hadn't been keeping it conditioned. So it was a dry box. Mm-hmm. So I slipped it in the dry box. And it's been sitting in the dry box for about five days. And it really feels like it's come back. And I, I set it in the dry box, I shut the lid, and I did not open the lid again till today when I took it out to bring it here to smoke it. And I took a little, I have a little pectin at the house, a little of the cigar glue, and I actually tried to glue back down the cap a little where it had ruptured. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm smoking a rescue cigar today. I should feel good about myself. Now, halfway through this show, if this thing blows up like I'm in a Wile E. Coyote cartoon, I'll know it was wrong. So... If you want uh, a little tip, a little By trick, next time this happens to you, or, or if it happens to somebody out there to for the first time, you love, <laughs> yeah, put it in a put it in a dry box, Tupperware container is fine. Put it anything like that with a couple of saltine crackers. Oh, see something draw oh, out that the humidity. Saltine cracker. It's the same. 
<coughs> excuse me, if you've ever gone to an ice cream shop and you see they've got a whole bunch of saltine crackers in the tub where they keep the waffle cones, right? It's because they will they act like a, like a heat sink for moisture. And they will they will suck all the moisture out of the air, and then once there's no more moisture in the air, it'll take it right out of your cigar. Is um, my cigar crooked? Hey, some people are just boiling that way. Well, okay, let me put let me put that away and show you the one. The one I'm <laughs> show me the one smoke. to go smoke. Um, the other thing you can do, uh, anybody who's ever dropped their phone in the toilet can t- tell you that rice really does work. You know, I thought about rice. I thought about throwing a handful of rice in there and seeing. You seemed... can go too far too quick with rice, though. Yeah. That's the problem. I, I figured the humidor with the Spanish cedar was probably my best call, and it's a great humidor. It seals really tight. Because of the time of the year, that was the right call. Um, if it was the summer and it was a bit more, there was a bit more ambient humidity that you were dealing with, you probably wouldn't have gotten as good a result with, without some type of, um, you know, humidity sink. If you ever have one of those old Bovita packs that kind of runs out of juice mm-hmm. and just gets rock hard, I always keep a couple of those on hand for just such an occasion because they will actually draw moisture out. In fact, if you ever have one and need to recharge it so you can use it again, put it in a Ziploc or an airtight box or bag with a cup of water. Don't let them touch, but let them just sit. And as that water evaporates, it'll be absorbed by the Bovita pack. Distilled water, of course. Well, no, you don't have to use distilled water if you do that because because it's distilling is how it gets. So it's the evaporated water that becomes ambient humidity that gets absorbed by the, the pack. Well, I just cut it. It cut fine. I've, I was scared. This was the part I was most concerned about was the cut. Oh, yeah. Was I going to cut it, and was it going to explode, basically, throughout the ridge? But I cut it. It cut fine. I've done a cold draw. The draw is good. I'm not getting any lingering flavors other than cigar out of it. So I'm excited to smoke my rescue cigar tonight. I feel like a better human being because I rescued a cigar this week. I, I do like when I have the opportunity to do something like that. One of the, when I was working at the shop in Atlanta, uh, we had a we put in a new humidification system in the humidor, and it didn't get plumbed in right, so it overflowed and like destroyed a whole bunch of cigars that were sitting under it because it basically there's water damage, and there were a handful of them that I took and tried to salvage. And that was a lot of that was fun to try to try and, and save it. Yeah, just a little tender loving care. Mm-hmm. And it lit fine. It draws fine. Just tastes good. We're gonna see as I go through smoking this cigar. At some point, at some point, I won't be surprised if I don't have a wrapper crack just because of the amount of abuse this cigar has endured. Right. But we're gonna see. But it was a high quality cigar to start with. It was one of Pedro's, so I know it was quality to start with. I wouldn't. I wouldn't try this with a lesser fuma, so to speak. I don't think that makes as much of a difference as you think. I well, really don't. So, what are you smoking tonight? I am smoking something a little different. I went in the, the humidor there, and, and uh, I was coming in hot tonight, and so I didn't really have any idea of what I wanted to smoke, and, and so I was looking for something a little different. Not necessarily something that I'd never had before, but something that, that I hadn't smoked on the on the show in maybe a while I think I have had uh, Pestagna before um, on the show, but if I have, it's been a while. So this has an Indonesian binder, which you know, one, I think one of the nice 
qualities of the Charter Oak that I like so much is that that uses an Indonesian binder as well. So this is made in the same factory as Romacraft. I, for a long time, I was under the impression that it was made by Romacraft. Apparently not. It's just in the same factory. Um, Nicaraguan filler, Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. I am smoking the 5x50 Perfecto, um, which is not a size or a shape that I typically go for. Uh, but tonight it was the it was the closest size to what I was looking for in there, and so I just decided to go for it. Well, and who? Oh yeah, Indonesia. You know, I had a Hiram and Solomon this year, this week. Never had a Hiram and Solomon before, but it was an Indonesian binder, and it had a Araparaca um, wrapper on, much like the Trinidad we smoked last week. And it was amazing. I mean, that's oh, yeah? a really, really good cigar. I was really shocked how good their cigars were. I had a cigar that I've had before, um, but but it's been out of stock where I normally get it. The Slaughterhouse Five. Have you ever had that? Or no? It's just called the Slaughterhouse, not the Slaughterhouse Five. But I've never had it, but I've heard of it. It's very good for five bucks, especially. Oh yeah. And also, speaking of cigars, let's talk about a new cigar first. La Gloria Cubana presents Spirit of the Lady. So this is actually the first new cigar from Forged. This is one of their first releases. It's a limited release. 600 boxes of each size of Toro and Churchill are all that's going to be released. It is a um, made by the El Credito blending team. And it's um, Honduran from the Olancha San Augustin. San Augustine? San Augustine, region of Honduras. Cameroon binder, Mexican, Nicaraguan, Dominican tobacco. So they don't say a lot about the wrapper on this cigar in this article. And I've, so these have started circulating around. They delivered this week. My local shop got two, and the owner and the manager smoked them. The owner did not care for it. The manager liked it. Interesting. I, I imagine that'll be what happens on this show. Probably, probably. It's from the El Credito factory in Santiago. And um, I'll, I'll be interested to see this. I, I want to see, see Forged bring out some cigars that I really like because I like the guys involved. Well, and I think it's important to, to bring up again, though, that Forged is just a distribution company. So they're not involved in the manufacture or the making of these cigars or the blending or anything like that. This is not like... Now, General actually has ownership of the brands that it represents. So the you know the various people within the organization are actually involved in the process. La Gloria, still, La Gloria Cubana still fully manages themselves outside of the supply chain um, and distribution on the backside. So still happy for Forge to have a hopefully really good cigar on the portfolio, but I think it's important to remember the distinction. A little high on the price structure. The Toro's $12.99 and the Churchill's $14.99. So it, I'm going to have some higher expectations. This is going to come in when I get one. It's going to come in with a little higher expectation for me. You know, I was walking around the humidor tonight, and is it just me, or are we quickly approaching an average cigar price of 15 bucks? It's getting there in a hurry. I know. I was like, oh, I can smoke. The, I'm not paying $15 for a cigar tonight. Oh, I can smoke. I'm, that's $15. When did that become $15? It, six different cigars in there. I was getting ready to smoke until I saw that $15 price tag. I'm going to have to really adjust my expectations. 
you know, and I think that's going to be a trend. You're going to start seeing some cigar shops. Instead of just being able to order everything out of somebody's line, they're going to have to kind of curate, mm-hmm. okay, what is my customer willing to spend? Yeah. And all, and that's that's part of it. And how, how do you promote it and things like that? Well, especially because it's a psychological thing. I will buy... I will buy two $9 cigars while I'm here. Or I will buy one $15 cigar. So you may think, as a cigar shop owner, that you're doing a a better thing for your business by bringing in fewer cigars at that lower price point. But at the end of the day... Yeah, at the end of the day, what's your net gain? Also, higher stick price equals less box sales. Exactly. You know, the, there's the shop here in town that has the lowest stick price. Also, ironically, sells the most boxes of cigars anybody in town. Mm-hmm. And all that's and that those two things are related. Yeah, An owner is, has to consider that because if you're selling more quantity, you don't have to make as much of a margin on each on each sale. I mean, that's yeah, that's business one hundred and one. Right. Yeah, and so it's going to be interesting to see kind of where it goes. Another new cigar. The Sav- Liga Provada 10-year anniversario, a savage feast coming to events. So this is in the feral flying pig Vitola. Well, you buried the lead. Coming to select events. This isn't even an event-only cigar. This is a select event cigar. Well, I, I, I imagine this will be like the Liga 10. There will be, you know... Enough events that it's hardly exclusive. Yeah, you can manage. You know, Drew Estate's pretty good at getting their stuff out there. Yeah. So this will be in the Feral Flying Pig Vitola. It's going to be 5 and 3, 8 by 60. And it's only going to be available as a sales incentive at events that Jonathan Drew attends. Okay, so it is going to be select events. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be a, you know, for years, Jonathan Drew had the manifesto. Right. And that was his event-only cigar, and you could only get one of those if you met Jonathan Drew. You know, the BBMF uh, Opus used to be that similar kind of situation where only people who knew Carlito and met Carlito and happened to be good, he would reach in, you know, and he would do something like, but, and he would pull one out and he would give it to you. But it wasn't even just an event thing. It was just, it was, it was more of a personal relationship thing. What I liked about that was that it didn't get pressed like this. Sure. It was kept under the radar. Yeah. And so only people who knew somebody who was close to Carlito really knew that this was the way they were doing. Now they make and, and I don't think it was the exact BBMF you get here, but it was it was one of those it was super exclusive. I kind of like I don't know. I kinda of don't like this. See, I want a cigar that if I get it and I love it, I can have another. Or if I smoke it and I say, boy, you know, this would be great on a beach in Mexico, I know that I can lay my hands on one for the next time I get on a cruise boat. I also hate this idea that only the people that are lucky enough are the people who I deem worthy of me going to their shop. It just feels like such an ego stroke to me. For it, Like, an event-only cigar, I don't hate. You want to do an event-only cigar? Go for it. I think it's I think it's a, a decent gimmick. I wouldn't go as far as say a good gimmick, but it's a decent gimmick. Um, but this idea that you can only get it if the owner or the you know the mouthpiece or the you know the figurehead shows up. No, you're not that important. You run a cigar company. 
Yeah, I'm okay with being that important. But I'm I'm okay with being that important, but the people who think they are never are. JD's pretty important. Jonathan Drew's pretty important. He is not as important as he thinks he is. I have been to the barn smoker. I can tell you he is not nearly as important as he thinks he is. I don't know. The night that we met Jonathan Drew down in in Madison at the cigar room, and uh, we stood in line for about an hour to meet him. But he didn't rush you when you got your turn. He talked to you. Hey, hi, how are you doing? Tell me about yourself. And all that goes a long way with me. I'm not saying he's not a great guy. I'm not saying he's not personable or, or a great businessman. He's all of those things. But to me, you know, having a releasing a, a press release for a cigar that you can only get if you happen to be lucky enough to meet me just screams of insecure ego. But tell me this. And I would say that regardless of who it was, I'm not singling out Jonathan Drew. I like Jonathan Drew. But I, it's just, it's a bad look. It's not something that I would do. So if you were Nick Perdomo, if you met Nick Perdomo and you and you came away with a Perdomo champagne, you wouldn't feel like you were a little bit ripped off? No, not at all. So it would bother me? No. If I, but if that's the cigar that he smokes every day, the story of Nick gave this to me himself is good enough for me. I don't... I don't feel this sense of entitlement that a lot, and I'm not accusing you of this, but a lot of cigar smokers. Go ahead, accuse me. I don't care. No, but a lot of cigar <laughs> smokers, you know, used to see this a lot more before the FDA got their dirty little hands involved in the industry, where a rep would come into the shop and you'd have the cheapest cheapskates of the of the shop just start hovering like sharks with blood in the water. Give oh, me yeah. my free stick. Give me my free stick. And and so you get a lot of people that do that with with owners of cigar companies still to this day. Um, it's, it doesn't really affect the reps as much anymore except for the handful of people that were around back then when, when that was the norm. For the most part, it's kind of been coached out of people. So, yeah, if I were to meet, you know, or, and like I said, if you do want to have a super exclusive cigar that you just happen to hand people, don't make it an event thing. Don't fill out a press release. Don't tell anybody about it. Make it where it's not about you. Make it about sharing the cigar that you prefer to smoke with somebody who, you know, someone you want to share a cigar with. I understand your premise, even if I don't agree with it. That's fine. I like the the feeling. I like to know that when I wait in line, when I step up there and I meet Jonathan Drew and I shake his hand, that he's going to hand me, he handed me that manifesto. That was special. It was a, it was a special you know special moment. And I like that. I don't I don't know that I'm necessarily against that. The press release don't bother me one way or another. And on this is really not really a press release about oh this is this cigar and you're only going to get it if you meet with Jonathan Drew. This is hey we're not giving out the manifesto anymore. Now we're going to change it up and give it the um, savage feast. So I'm I'm okay with that. I, actually, I'm probably a little more okay with that than I thought I'd be when I originally looked at the article. You just needed somebody to come out against it. That's right. I needed I needed somebody to talk me into someone it. for whom your default statement is <laughs> I'm against whatever he says. And I will. Being as now you've brought politics in it, I guess we'll talk about this legislative update. <laughs> Let's get it out of the way before the break. <laughs> Senator Marco Rubio, Republican out of Florida has reintroduced the Traditional Cigar Manufacturing and Small Business Job Preservation Act. 
Why do all these bills have to have a name that's 250 pages long? Can it just not say, hey, we want the cigar exemption? Right. <laughs> no, can it not be simple? Well, and you wonder why people, why things get, like, weird names. You know, like, the ACA got turned into Obamacare, and you get all these, like, the Sunshine Bill was one that happened in Tennessee a number of years ago. And you get the, and because the actual title of the thing is six pages long. Well, it's a ten, It's an eight-page bill, six of its title. The worst part is when they come up with the... Um, oh, the tedious acronym? Yeah, the, the, you know, this is MARTA. Okay, now I need five words that start in this order. That's, that's the worst when they do that. Oh, yeah. When you, you can tell they came up with the, with the acronym first. So this is, he's reintroducing this bill back because pre-COVID, now, it's, now we're almost post-COVID headed rapidly toward post-COVID. So it's time to bring this bill back up and get our cigars exempt. That's really what we're after here. Um, so the cigar, the traditional cigars manufacturing and small business job preservation act basically is a bill set to set aside what is a premium cigar to basically quit trying to let the FDA regulate cigars like they would vaping and all. And it's got a lot of support. I mean, it's got uh, co-sponsors are Tom Cotton, Joni Ernst, Rick Scott, John Barrasso, Jim Inhofe, 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 Lindsey Graham, John Boozman, and John Kennedy. And I'll, strangely, all Republicans. I'd like to see a Democrat or two on that bill if for no other reason to make it easier to move forward. Well, there have been on previous iterations of this. Um, but I think... You're, you're talking about co-sponsors more so than you are actual support. So I, I don't, um, I'm not angry with the Democrats yet for this, but I am fully prepared to be pretty soon. Yeah. Um, I will say, um, you know, I, I'm not a huge uh, Rubio fan, but you know, being from Florida and being as how the the majority of the cigar industry of this country resides in Florida. I think this is a really good move. Uh, I do wish this article made a little bit more mention of how they're defining uh, premium cigars that would fall under the, the exclusion. Uh, it does say um, entirely by hand, all long filler and cigars made on artisanal machines, which I guess is hand-operated, not robotic kind of thing. Sure. But um, I don't know. There's, you know, short filler handmade. How does that fit in this? And think, like, So I would like a little bit more clarity on the definition. But I, Yeah, I, you know, previous definitions have been by weight, by weight per thousand, and I think that's a pretty good... Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good run for it and all. And, you know, medium and short filler cigars have a place in the market. And also to say they all have to be long filler to be exempt, yeah, that's a little exactly. It kind of circumvents being able to get an inexpensive cigar, right? I think it's. I think it has to be any one of the following, and then you list right. several, or any two of the following criteria, and then you come up with a number of things. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. So, but I'm glad that he's reintroducing the bill. I'm glad that we're now moving our way toward that premium cigar exemption once again. Mm -hmm. So. The first For the first part of the show, the cigar's smoking excellent. I think that my dry box did the job. Looks like it. It's burning even. It's, it's burning staying even. lit. I've touched it up a couple of times, just various spots that you're going to hit. you do that hit. anyway. Yeah, you're going to hit various spots. Um, the seal is good. You know, 
there's nothing worse to me than when you put your lips on the cigar and you don't get a good seal. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like if you've ever got a straw in a restaurant that has a, a little pinhole in it. Mm-hmm. And you feel like you don't get a good seal. The seal's still good on the cigar. I think this cigar's going to smoke just fine. I think I have succeeded in rescuing my cigar. Hey, that's quite a feather in your cap. And uh, so what's, what about the Palestania? Um, it's all right. It's not doing much for me tonight. I've smoked them. I don't care for them. I don't dislike them. I've, never, I've, I've known some people that just went ape over this cigar. And I've always liked it. It's never blown me away. And I think I forgot that when I picked it up tonight. Because I really would have liked to have had something. Honestly, what I wanted when I walked in there was Charter Cabano. That's what I... I mean, after the day I've had, that's the cigar I wanted. But right. I knew I couldn't smoke that on the show because we've Charter Oaked it to death. So, um, that's well, exactly what I'll have after the show, though. And that one's got some age on it because I know those boxes have been in, in there here. for a couple of hours. Yeah. <laughs> or a couple of years. Yeah. I, I know at least... It's probably been two years that I smoked one. Yeah, and I think it's probably the same box. Yeah, it's probably they have they have not moved like wildfire to say the least. It's good. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's also a torpedo, which I cut most of the torpedo off. But it's it's a shape I don't particularly care for. So that's on me. You know, so there's a number of things going on. I, I'm not willing to to put too much hate on Pistania at this point. But it's yeah, it's it's not quite getting me down the road. Well, I do think it is worth mentioning. You know. If you're going to take a cigar that was too dry and rehumidify it, you do that slowly. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a cigar that's too wet, you better get that moisture out of there as quickly as possible. Yeah, because uh, you, you plume, I won't go so far as to say plume doesn't exist, because it does. Mm-hmm. But the number of times you've seen plume, unless you've been smoking over a decade, is probably one or two. All of those other times, that was mold. Right. So I think it is key, if you're going to rescue one, dry it out quickly. Well, let's step away. When we get back, I want to talk about Michael Jordan's $500 box of cigars. I have an article from Film Daily called How to Sharpen a Cigar Cutter that could not have been named any less aptly. And also want to talk about the Cigar Mansion. And also lots of good things coming up. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who would like to talk to you about time travel. Meet him here last Thursday, Trey Dedman. That's pretty funny. <laughs> that is pretty funny. <laughs> I thought, that's one of my favorite jokes. <laughs> so I'm a huge fan of um, Good Eats, Alton Brown's show on, on Cooking Channel. And in his most recent episode, he actually starts the episode at the end of the episode. And then he walks out to a time machine and then goes back and starts the show. And I just thought that was so brilliant. That's okay, but my my most hated cinematic device that they've started using over the last couple of years, instead of telling the backstory at the beginning of the show, they do flashbacks through the whole series, flashing back to the backstory. So you've, it's like you're putting together a puzzle and you have none of the corner pieces. Yeah, I, it can be done well. I have yet to see it. It is. It's it's rough, but it it can be done well. But there are so many that get it wrong. Well, you know, it's it's an interesting time that we live in, and uh, 
when you can look back, you know, never before in the history of man have we had such a reserve of video footage to be able to look back. You know, they always had the classic NFL stuff, but there was only, what, three cameras on the field at the time? And you kind of had to, you know, it was half luck if you actually caught that a miracle, you know, Hail Mary at the last second. Now we've got, what, 20 years of good video out there that they can go through? Yeah, we've been in high def since 2003. Well, I was just watching a video today on Facebook just come across about Michael Jordan's greatest fakes. And I didn't realize, you don't remember how good he was. Yeah. Have you read the last, or have you watched The Last Dance? No, I'm not that interested in basketball. I'm not either. It was amazing. Everybody says it's good, but I just, I don't know if I've got the attention span. No, I think you would, because you were alive through it. You know, you, you remember what the 90s were like when even people who hated basketball were watching basketball. I was one of those people. Um, For me, it brought back a lot of memories. I think I think you should give it a shot. Well, and he's one of those. Michael Jordan's one of those athletes that kind of transcends yeah. pop. It transcends his sport to pop culture, right? You kind of know as much who a Jordan human interest is. piece as it is a basketball piece. So okay. I think you would get something out of that. Well, speaking of Michael, Michael Jordan. This is from Sports Rush, thesportsrush.com. Michael Jordan smokes cigars that cost $500 a box. Bulls legend's fascination with cigars only increased since his retirement. And also, I've seen this article. Everybody sees this article. What's the first question that comes to your mind? What's a cigar? Yeah, what is the actual cigar? And, I'll, and if you go down here, they tell, because there's nothing worse than when they have one of these articles and they don't tell you the cigar. And it happens so often. It's almost like the editor was just so lazy that he didn't bother asking the simple questions. So he revealed his preferred brand of cigars is Partagas Lusitania. So a Cuban Partagas Lusitania, 500 bucks a box? About 20 bucks a stick. About 20 bucks a stick. Does that sound about right? Yeah. That probably sounds about right. And, you know... So, what is the average cost of the box of a box of cigars? Would you guess two fifty? I'd say I'd say most cigars, you know, good cigars. Now you get some plus tax. Yeah, you get some gems that you can pick up, like the Charter Oak, mm-hmm. that you can pick up for one hundred fifty bucks a box. One hundred and fifteen. Yeah, and all, and then you get some that are a little more expensive. My Africas usually run about two hundred dollars a box. Right. And I just know that because I bought more boxes of Africas than any cigar I've ever, I've right. ever encountered. So I can tell you which stores have the best deal on Africas. But um, that's not, you know, the, this they pitch it when they say five hundred dollars a box. Like the average person is going to go, wow. But I, I can see five hundred bucks a box well, for a good Cuban. You know, I've paid two hundred and seventy dollars for a box of cigars, and I'm a cheapskate when it comes to my cigars. So yeah, when I see five hundred, I'm kind of thinking like, oh. He, he's he, he's budget conscious for a man that's got as much money as Michael Jordan has. Right. He could he could smoke he could smoke a five hundred dollar cigar every day and never notice it. Exactly. Something that I did find interesting that you will probably notice as well when you watch The Last Dance. He smokes in his house. Yeah. He has a spot. Hey. No, just like they did the whole interview in his living room, and then at the end, he's just sitting in his living room looking out over the massive expanse of his property, I guess, and just smoking a cigar right in the middle of his living room, just like nothing. Just like, taking it easy. Okay, so everybody that knows me knows I'm a knife guy. I've probably got 250, 300 pocket knives that I have in my collection and probably 75 or so fixed blade knives, and then I have 
various assorted knives. I'm a knife guy. And you can't be a knife guy if you don't know how to sharpen it. Right. So one of my pet peeves of cigars is the cutter. I would like to have a cutter I could sharpen myself. So I see this. And archive. not have to pay two hundred and fifty bucks for it. Yeah, that because be the pocket knife that you and I have both looked at is so expensive. Yeah, the Benchmade is just ridiculous. And also, this is from FilmDaily.com. How to sharpen a cigar cutter? Okay. So basically, this article, what they say is, don't sharpen your cigar cutter. Right. And uh, now, does Zycar still sharpen? Are they still lifetime? They'll, you can send mm-hmm. in your cigar cutter and they'll sharpen it for you? Yeah, I need to send mine back, actually, as a matter of fact. Well, I've found, <clears throat> so it's interesting. Me and my wife at the Tampa Cigar Bash got two of the Brickhouse branded Zycar XI2s. Right. And I have taken and cleaned mine. I keep mine, you know, I have knife chemicals that I use to clean that are. Uh, biodegradable and safe and I keep mine very clean I put a little oil in the hinges in the two years since we've been there when you see my cutter and hers side by side it's night and day yeah a lot of times I think people think that their cutter is dull when it's actually just dirty yeah because because the thing is especially when you're talking about the mechanics of say the the Zycar there's a lot of area between the the actual body of the blade and that is sandwiched inside the body housing, for lack of a better term. And that gets gunked up. And the key to a good cut first is sharpness, certainly. But it's also the ability for that thing to move correctly. And if it's all gunked up and, it, and it's sticky and it's not making smooth movement, that's going to affect your ability to cut the cigar well. Yeah, I think just take a few minutes, get you a Q-tip, get you a little cleaner, and just clean your cutter. And I'm going to disagree with this article um, on one point in particular, um, which is, this is why it's a advised, oh, there we go. It's possible to sharpen a cutter on your own, but when you do it by yourself, you can only sharpen a small fraction of the blade. Um, only the manufacturers and people dealing with cigars professionally have the tools and means to remove the case. False. Sharpen the blade and then put the case back on Anybody can take a cutter apart. Now, how mechanically inclined you are is what dictates whether or not you can put it back together. Yeah, it's, it's like guns. It's easy to take them apart. I have taken my Calibri V-Cut apart many, many times and given it a thorough cleaning with Q-tips and alcohol and microfiber cloths and just gone to town on that thing because that one does get really gummed up. Well, it's a bigger housing. There's exactly. more room for stuff to slay. Exactly. Exactly. But it's a necessary piece of... Because a V-cutter, you really can't sharpen, even if you send it back to the manufacturer. It's just that blade is not meant to be resharpened. But you can do a lot of good for it by cleaning it regularly. So don't be afraid... Actually, no. Our lawyers will get mad at us. So don't take your cigar cutter apart. I think that's but, what happened in this article. But you would be amazed how easy it might be. So... Do it at your own risk. If you're not, if you're the kind of person that takes a radio apart thinking you're going to fix it, and then three years later you've still got parts of radio laying all over your, maybe this isn't the job for you. But right. if you're, but if you're, you're mechanically inclined well enough, it, you might be surprised how easy it is. Well, just sharpening that arch is going to require a special tool. Mm-hmm. It's not like sharpening a flat blade where you can really get in there. You know, I can sharpen a serrated blade. I don't like to sharpen serrated blades because it's a pain in the neck. Yeah, it's it's the only thing worse than sharpening a chainsaw. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely worse. And it's a similar technique. 
Yeah, so sharpening the cutter, I imagine, would be, you know, you might could take your Dremel tool if you've got the right hand, but just send it back to Zycar. Just Here's the deal. Use it as an excuse to buy a new Zycar cutter. Have two of them. Have one that you've sent back to them. Have one that you're using. When that one gets back, because it'll take them six weeks or so. Yeah. And uh, when that one gets back and it's nice and sharp, then you can use the other one. Right. You know what I'm thinking, though? Something just popped into my head, because I've got... I'm very protective of my kitchen knives. I've got uh, probably about five or six really nice knives that I, you know, never go in the dishwasher, etc. I've actually got a guy <coughs> here in town that I take him to to have him sharpen about once every other year. I do some maintenance in the meantime, whatever. But he makes his living sharpening shears for hairdressers. Right. I wonder if I took my cutter apart, if he'd be able to. I, I know for a fact he has the skill. Yeah, he's saying whether, some people just have that. But whether or not he has the tools that allow him to use the dexterity needed or something like that, I would be interested. I, I'm going to I'm gonna take my Zycar apart and take it to him and see if he'll it do it. It seems like some guys just have that. You know, my grandfather had that touch. He could take a whip rock and a knife and put an edge on it like nobody's business. He just had the touch. Right. And uh, I can put an edge on with a whip rock, but I do better with some of my more mechanical, you know, my sanding belt types. Yeah. Everything like that. Actually, the, I'll tell you, the work sharp, power sharpener, one of the best sharpeners out there. You got three grades of belts so that you can really work it down. It's mechanical, and you can really put an edge on a knife for that thing. You've got that... that uh Mechanical, um, was yeah, that not electric one mm-hmm. that at your house too? That that works a works a yeah, tree. Yeah, I've got a warthog. It's a warthog sharpener. They're actually made in South Africa, and it's spring spring loaded, so that it can never put too much pressure against the blade. And I keep that on my kitchen counter just so that I can hit my steak knife with it three or four times right before I dive into my steak. Yeah, I've got uh, a Hinkle's similar version um, to that that I really like. So. Let's talk about our topic. Let's get to the topic, because I hate when the show slips away from us and we got like two minutes left and we start to jump on our topic. Yeah, we've got some time now. Are we going with your topic or my topic? How to deal with palate burnout. And uh, I think everybody has had this problem that's a regular smoker. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and, and shout out to listener Alex. This is actually where this came from. He reached out uh, over the weekend following last uh, week's episode and said, hey, like, how do you deal with that? You know, how do you deal with palate burnout? And it was, it was, it it made me think because I don't know anybody who's been smoking for a a length of time that hasn't experienced this. The, the, the real question though is whether or not they noticed. It is, and it's at what stage did they notice? Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I tend to I tend to keep my palate from getting burned out because I go through different strengths of cigars. You know, I had a run this summer where all I wanted was light cigars. Right. And I stayed with the Connecticut. I, bought, I smoked a box of, you know, Undercrown Shades and a smoke of char- a box of Charter Oak Connecticut. And then I've slowly keyed it back up to where lately I've been enjoying some LFDs. Hmm. And I, which are kind of the strongest, you know, the strongest cigar I smoke is always going to be the surrogate. Right. But the LFDs are kind of right there in that category. And it's funny, too, because I think, I think a lot of people go through this period where the, the expectation when you first start smoking cigars is to start with mild. 
which is not always the best advice. And then eventually you'll work up to the... It's the same thing I hate about runners. Oh, eventually you'll run a marathon. I don't want to wear a, run a marathon. I don't have to run 26 miles like a lunatic just to prove that I'm a runner. Like, it, it, you don't have to end up at full-bodied cigars. It, it's entirely possible that it may not fit your flavor profile, and that's okay. Um, but I do think what happens is you see from a lot of cigar smokers, they start mild and they work their way up and they work their way up and then they just kind of hang out and they never go backwards. And I think that and smoking this nothing but the same cigar are the two leading causes of, uh, of palate burnout. Well, I think this is a situation where the flavored cigar does a lot of, un, a lot of disservice to the cigar smoker. Because I do think the flavored cigar scalds your palate. I do think you lose palate sensitivity when all you smoke are flavored cigars. Yeah, and I can also say a lot of things. A lot of times, what will happen too is, and this happened with me personally, is you get to that full-bodied cigar line and you're just kind of hanging out there, but you still want more, so you start smoking more frequently. And so maybe you go from three or four times a week down to every, you know, to every day. And then maybe it's, you know, 10 a week and then maybe it's two a day. And then it could, and the simplest thing for, for alleviating burnout, in my opinion, is you cut back by about 25%. So whatever you're at, go down to 75% of that and then incorporate a handful of Connecticut's and a handful of like light mediums. Rosados, sun grows, things like that. Yeah, just smoke Perdomos for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And, and But vary it up, you know. Um, don't smoke all of the same thing. You know, don't just find one Connecticut that you like and then stick with that because then that doesn't really help you. But um, I think it's something that I, it was It was funny because when he brought it up, I was like, you know, I don't think we've talked about that on the show before. Well, and I also think, as with most things in life, a little self-awareness goes a long way in this endeavor. I usually, you know, we talk about it all the time when you go in the humidor and you just ask yourself, hey, self, what do I want to smoke tonight? Right. And you kind of look and you say, okay, that's too much. That's not enough. That's pretty good. That's not, you know, it's interesting that you can kind of go in there and have a little self-awareness about it and pick something that will help you, that your palate will talk to you. Your palate will tell you what you want. Yeah. And, uh, and there's nothing worse than that guy, the guy that says, oh, I have to smoke the strongest cigar to get anything out of it. Like, like he's the toughest dude in the cigar shop. That is the same guy that drives the lifted truck with the big tires but never takes it off-road. There's a certain level of compensation at play there, I think. Yeah, there's, there's that guy, you know. Now, I can't say much about the big ring gauge guy because I was that guy. And I will say through the cigar cast starting to smoke a lot of smaller ring gauge cigars i've enjoyed cigar smoking more yeah and i i do think there is a there is a little bit of that kind of machismo at play with with the big ring gauge but but at the same time i know plenty of people who just prefer that so it's not it's not always the case but that's but that's true of of powerful cigars too there are people that just prefer that and that's fine it is, but but do it for the right reasons. Yeah, do it, but don't do it because you're convinced yourself that you won't feel nothing if you smoke a Connecticut. Exactly. You know, and I fell into those trappings, and it wasn't until I smoked the San Cristobal Elegancia, and I know I've talked about it many times on the show before. That is the absolute best Connecticut cigar ever made, in my opinion. 
But it wasn't until I had that that I went, oh, there are good Connecticut's out there for my palate still. And, and that really put me on a road to varying up the strength and flavor profiles that I smoke. Well, and I've started, you know, I've kind of shifted. I don't really think about strength anymore. I'm always looking for complexity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if I want strength, I'm going to go over to the Indian restaurant. Because you're talking to a guy that wants, when I eat Indian or Thai food, I want you to melt my face off. Right. Now, it just so happens I've got a high enough spice tolerance that I can still taste the food when that happens. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, Nashville hot chicken is a big deal. Yeah. But there is such a chasm between good Nashville hot chicken and bad Nashville hot chicken. Yeah, and the bad Nashville hot chicken tastes like you lick that ashtray right yes. there. And it's just spice for the sake of spice with, with no, with no uh, thought to how those spices play together, the flavors that they bring to the table, anything like that. Yeah, it could be chicken, it could be cardboard, it could be pigeon. It really don't matter once you dip it in that spice when it's that way. Right. There's a, there's a huge chasm in Nashville hot chicken. And, I, and probably everybody has that. I'm sure Texas hot chili, I'm sure everybody has their own chasm where there's people that do it just strength for the sake of strength. Right. And I think you miss so much in your cigar your I cigar life when you do and all the other so speaking of the macho man i must have the stiffest cigar in here guy so I, it was interesting because you brought this topic up and of course this it always leads to that thought process and i thought which cigar guy am i guilty of being because it's easy so the easy place to go to this is oh i hate this guy i hate I, oh the cheap guy I was sitting in a cigar shop, and a guy walked in that we all know. I'm not going to mention his name. You know exactly who I'm talking about. This is the same. Oh, I'm not, in case it's the similar story, I, I won't give it away. This guy walks into the shop, and it's his first time in this shop, and he actually has the nerve to look at the manager and say, Hey, do I have to buy anything to sit in here? And I wanted to say, Hey, jerk. Yeah. Do you go to Outbacks and say, hey, I'm going to sit over here at this table and eat this bag of Taco Bell. If you would, send around the waiter with some of that free bread and water, you know. It's just, how how stupid, is it stupid? Is it oblivious? Self-entitled. Yeah, how insane do you have to be that you'll walk into a shop and say, do I have to buy anything to sit here? This is the same guy, so it's not the same story, so I will tell this. This is the same guy that sat at one of these tables over here and saw somebody smoke you know, half an inch off of a Toro or so, and then walk away from it, and went over there and grabbed it out of the ashtray. Oh, I'm going to cut the tip off that he had his mouth around. It's fine. First of all, no. No, it's Don't not. Don't ever be that guy. Secondly, we are in the middle of a freaking global pandemic, which has come through this shop with a vengeance a couple of times. So, like, how, how stupid do you have to be? Yeah, so don't be that. Don't be the cheap guy. Don't be the guy that comes to play poker and pulls out something you bought off Cigars International to put in the ante. You know, I mean, just do we even have to say this? Be a decent human being. Right. You know, I tell people all the time, they ask me about the pricing on my houseplants. Listen, folks, I've been doing this for 20 years. I don't need the practice. This is a for-profit endeavor. Exactly. (laughs) A cigar shop is a for-profit endeavor. We're not here to provide you with a place to bum Wi-Fi for a couple of hours while your wife gets her nails done. But it did make me think about the kind of cigar guy that I am. 
that I'm guilty of being, and I want and I need your judgment. I'm, I'm calling for judgment. All right, and all because I'm I'm these guys. I, I've kind of distilled myself down to these guys. What are you smoking, guy? Because I'm prone when I'm sitting with somebody and I'm breaking the ice. That's kind of my icebreaker. Hey, what are you smoking? That is your cigar pickup line. That is your come here often. That is, <laughs> you know, but it's, I, I think that falls into, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. You know, I think that's one that kind of falls into a few other categories. But we couldn't decide on which one. But I think that's just kind of a certain level of friendliness. It's a really easy, you know, I was at a cigar shop last night, uh, a a new shop in town-ish. And, you know, one of the owners was behind the counter. And within 10 minutes of me sitting at the counter, we were talking about religion and politics. Now, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. So I'm not saying anything. I, and in fact, that happens more often in here than not also. But if you're trying to break the ice with somebody you've maybe never met before, you want to start pretty light. And yeah. asking the other guy who obviously enjoys cigars well, what they're smoking is a great way to, to right. break the ice. But it's, it's kind of unique to cigars because have you ever walked up to somebody in a coffee shop? Hey, is that a half-calf cafe of extra foam? I mean, <laughs> I mean it's kind of unique to cigars that you, you can say that, well, that you can talked, be that guy. We've talked before about how cigars are, are a communal experience. You know, I, I can sit on my back, at least when the weather's nice, I can sit on my back porch and smoke a cigar. I come in here for a little bit different experience, and I think... For most people who have some experience with the cigar community, understand that. And so it's, it is much more of a, unless you sit at a table with your headphones on and your head buried in your computer, which are obvious signs of I'm busy, leave me alone, there's kind of an expectation that you get to know a little bit of the people around you. Well, and I also don't take it that extra step of, oh, you're smoking a flavored cigar? Well, yeah. that Does but, your husband smoke? But you... <laughs> You can take, you know, you know the person smoking a flavored cigar before you ask them. So that's just somebody you wouldn't start a conversation with. Generally. Generally, if I, if I smell groovy grape, we're probably not going to be buddies. And, I'll, and if somebody fires up a groovy grape in the shop, you know that they're smoking one. Yeah, you know instantly. I used to go to a shop that had a, that sold flavored cigars. But they had a rule on the wall that said, if you can buy it here, but you can't smoke it here. Right. Yeah, and it just makes sense. It keeps the air quality up. Yeah, because it, smoke it, smoking a cigar like that can affect other people's smoking experience. Okay, so I'm so I'm good. So what are you smoking, guy? I'm good. I can be him. Yeah, you can be him. What about center of attention, guy? You know, I walk into a shop. I bring the party. Everybody knows me. We're all shaking hands. Even people that don't know me are kind of drawn to me. Um, usually somebody, if somebody has, you know, if the guy behind the counter doesn't know a lot about cigars, he'll, hey, go ask Shane. He can help you out with that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, so sometimes I do feel like maybe I'm a little overbearing as the center of attention guy. I think you're one of those people, though, that has that thrust upon. I mean, I think your personality is such that people gravitate toward you. I, I do not see you exhibiting behaviors that make it obvious you're trying to be center of attention guy. Now, there is a guy that comes in here that makes himself the center of attention whenever he's a part of the conversation. And it's obvious. And he's trying too hard. 
and I switched who I was talking about halfway through that. <laughs> I think it's, I know it's the who person you think. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was talking about somebody else at first, and um, and it comes across as disingenuous, and you understand and you know that. Um, whereas I think it happens naturally. You know, like case in point is this podcast. You you and I have very different personalities. It it doesn't always come across on air, but people, but enough of it does that. It's it's pretty much understood that it's your show, and every time we go somewhere together, people talk to you about the podcast, even though I'm sitting right there and don't even glance. That happened to us a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh yeah. And, you know, I, I don't care. I enjoy doing the show. I, it's not about the recognition, things like that. You know, so I'm fine not being the center of attention guy. But I also know you're not out there clamoring for it. And that's why I think this is fine. Okay, what about, I wish this guy would shut up and let me watch football guy. That one, that one's tough. I, I, I wish this guy would shut up guy, I guess. It doesn't have to be just watch football, but there, because there are times that people come in here and maybe they don't kind of understand the lay of the land. Every cigar shop have, has its own personality. This is a shop of talkative people. You come in here, and there are lots of conversations going, and people bounce from one conversation to the other. You know that. It, so, if if you don't know that's the vibe of this shop, it can be overwhelming. I, I've seen people come in and start going somewhere else because it's just not what they're into, and that's fine. Yeah, you know, we watch football here, college football here on Saturdays, and rarely ever. Am I watching the game? I'm usually sitting here because we've got some good food, we've got some good cigars, and we're just talking about whatever happened that day. And there are certain friends of yours who you know will be here because the game is on, and it gives you an opportunity to kind of have the have an audience with them. So this is one that bites me in the rear end. Everybody's buddy guy. This bit me today. I've tried to be friendly with everybody, even if I really believe that the purest sign of maturity is your ability to suffer fools gladly. I believe that's the greatest sign of maturity in a man. Okay. <laughs> he's hemming. No, he's hemming and hawing. I, a little bit. No, I'm not hawing. I'm just hemming. You're just hemming? I'm okay. just hemming, not hawing. Because, I'm, because I'm, I'm, I'm processing both sides of it, you know, pretty pretty thoroughly and, and I don't think it's I, I don't think there's anything wrong with not being able to suffer fools gladly but it's the way you convey that that and and so so often it's the same response so I, I'll, I'll give you that observation well this bites me in the rear because I'm friendly with all the reps all the reps know we do the podcast most of them have been on the podcast right they know us from that. They know me just from being around. They know my wife. The fact that my wife goes everywhere with me makes me memorable. Mm-hmm. And all because people remember, because you don't see a lot of husband and wives that smoke together going places. So the fact that Glenda goes places with me really kind of makes me memorable, and people remember me. And inevitably, a rep will give me a cigar, and it'll be decent, but it won't be box-worthy. And I'll tell them, it's a good cigar, because it is a good cigar. Yeah. And I don't bother to tell them the other half, no, I would never buy a box of this. Right. And then before I know it, they're talking to the owner, oh, yeah, Shane said it's a good cigar. You ought to, you ought to get these in here. It's like, oh, come on, fellas. <laughs> really, this bit me in the rear today because somebody was trying to sell some cigars at a shop that I frequent. Is this the same, same person I was talking yeah. about earlier? Oh, yeah. 
and, and oh Shane really likes these cigars Shane you know Shane's told me these are good cigars and it's like Yes, but do, must I give a complete review? Must I write up a 25-page summary of my experience with a cigar? I think we need to start doing, like, the press junkets for movies, too. Here's my press release. Here, you, can, you can quote from it if you want. And if you're able to get something more positive than intended out of that by cutting and pasting it, that's on me for not being, you know... Transparent enough, and and the worst part of it is it happens where they say, "Oh, you thought that was a good cigar? Yeah, would you buy a box if I get them in here?" <sighs> you know, and it, it's like, and it, usually my standard get out of line on that is, well, I only had one. I would have to smoke another at some point and really form up. Well, and my get out of jail free card with that is the only box I consistently buy is Charter Oak. Like I'm not a box purchase guy. So I can't commit that to that because that's just not the way I buy my cigars. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty good pretty good move too. For you it's the Africa. Unless it's yeah. in Africa, I'm probably not buying a box of anything. Yeah, I'm I, I kinda of, my palate comes and goes. Yeah. And all but but there is times that just kind of being that being buddies with everybody does kind of bite you. Yeah, and I I think I, I think everyone's buddy guy and center of attention guy are kind of the kind of the they're cut of the same cloth. They're close cousins. Yeah. And, of course, the godfather. I'm, I'm guilty of being the godfather of the cigar shop. I'm, and I'm, admittedly, I'm guilty of this. You know, last week, or eh, probably been three weeks ago. Anyway, I was actually sitting in this shop, and two ladies come in. And they obviously, they looked at the humidor. They were confused. One, they didn't know that the light comes on automatically, which I always try to tell people when they say, hey, how do you turn the lights on? It's on a clapper. Oh, I, I love telling that. Yeah, it's love, voice activated. We used to tell people that all the time here. It's voice activated. But see, the clapper's a better line because then you actually get them in there yeah. doing the cheerleading thing. But they, um, you know, they walked in and they were obviously confused. And the guy behind the counter wasn't necessarily on the ball that night. So I wandered in there and I said, "Hey, um, do y'all know what you're looking for?" I said, "I don't work here, but I I, I know most of the cigars in this humidor pretty well. Do you know what you're looking for?" And, all that and we kind of went through it and I said and I, and I actually had to lay down the disclaimer Fred was sitting with me and he laughed his brains out I said listen I'm not being creepy my wife's sitting right over there I just <laughs> legitimately if you need help want to be able to help you out and they said no no we, we like a gentleman I'm glad there's a gentleman in the shop to actually show us this but I do kind of sometimes feel like I'm taking on that godfather role in a cigar shop you know we did poker at big boys last night and all the guys that come in yeah, I couldn't help myself. When they come in, I had to walk in the humidor with them and say, okay, now here's the stuff Big Boys has that Crown doesn't. Crown has some stuff Big Boys doesn't. I'm not cutting down right. either shop. Right. I said, here's the stuff Big Boys has that Crown doesn't. This is, you know, and I, got, and I kind of got to feeling like that Godfather That scenario. is something that you definitely do, and you lean into it. I will give you, I will give you that for is sure. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I, has anybody ever come up to you afterwards and said, that Shane just won't leave me alone and let me buy a stinking cigar. Not really, because I'm guilty of being nobody's friend guy. I come in, like, I am, you know what? Screw it. I'll embrace it. I wear my emotions on my sleeve. You know, I, I, I yeah, I know. I, the hell you say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I have fought against that for so long. Finally, I give up. You and my wife are right. Okay, you happy? So if I'm having a really terrible day, 
you're going to know it when I walk through the door. And odds are, I'm probably not going to want to hobnob and rub elbows. It, or at least I'm going to need a minute to kind of transition. Um, oh, yeah. I knew the mood you were in when I seen you get out of your car tonight. Yeah, exactly. It, it, you you broadcast, man. You're, I, you're I a broad. You're a beacon. And as a result of that, I don't often come across as friendly. I've got my dozen or so regulars that I like, that I spend time with, that I talk to. There are a ton more regulars in here than that that I know, but you know, just kind of don't cross paths for whatever reason. So, uh, so, so yeah, so I don't you know, so I don't usually get people coming up and giving me a review of the show or giving a review of, of your behavior or anything like that because I, I, I guess I just don't come across as approachable most of the time. Now, someone, you know, there's someone that doesn't work here anymore but used to, and, and that and and kind of put me in a similar role to what you did, uh, which which you have here, which is like I don't know the answer to that, but he does, and you know, and I go to the humidor and, and show people. And I've got a handful of people that'll ask me for recommendations, stuff like that. So I'm always willing to help out. But whereas you're you've got that extroverted energy where you're going to seek out the person sitting by themselves, make sure they feel welcome. I'm I'm not that guy. I'm the one sitting by myself, and I don't yeah. care to be made feel welcome. Yeah, if I'm in a cigar shop and there's somebody just sitting there staring at the TV, smoking their cigar, they don't have an iPad in front of them. They don't have you know a book. They don't have headphones in. It's like the inside of my skull starts itching. Hey, a friend. There's a friend. You're like a Labrador. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like my Labrador. I've got to go make a friend. I just can't stand. I just can't stay back from it. And, I'll, and, I, and that's that's just who I am. That's just my personality. But I just wondered if, as I was thinking about the kind of cigars guy I am, I was wondering if any of those have come off as annoying. Not not to me, but I know you fairly well. You know, so I I knew the person. I knew your personality from playing poker with you pretty quickly. You knew what you were getting from the get-go. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that is something, like, I, I will say no one has ever walked away from a conversation with you thinking that you had an ulterior motive. And and so that's... Hey, man, I'm, I'm master of the single entendre. That's <laughs> just exactly which way. I just, I call them like I see them, so... Well, this has been the Shane cast. <laughs> this has been. Did, did, was it cathartic for you? Do you feel it good? Was, I, I do feel a little better. I, I, I feel like I feel I'm like a, at some point you're going to say, "I'm sorry, we're out of time." I, I'm, I'm going to call your therapist <laughs> this week and say, "No, don't worry about it. I got him. <laughs> I took care of it this week. You, you got easy lifting." Yeah, that poor embattered soul needs a day <laughs> off every now and <laughs> at all. But it is. It is. I do think that that's one of the keys to to stand back and look at yourself through others' eyes. So. I feel better knowing that I'm not annoying everybody in the shop. I can't speak for everybody. I'm just saying you don't annoy me. Well, <laughs> well, if I don't, there's probably very few people in the shop that I disagree with on as many issues as I disagree with you on. That is true. And if I'm not annoying at that, then I guess I'm doing okay. And I will. I, we are running so long, but I, I will. I will tie this whole thing up in a bow, which is be. Well, I'm going to give some backstory. So. When you decide what you want to eat for dinner, say, you know, I'm going to go out, you choose the restaurant, and then when you get there, you look at the menu, and then you figure out what you're going to eat. When I go to pick a restaurant, I figure out what I want to eat for dinner, and I've been living here long enough, I know what the best restaurant for that item is, and that's how I decide where I'm going for dinner. It's the same way with the cigar shop. If I'm in a mood where I want to talk to people, 
and it's a night where I know people are going to be there, like Tuesday nights here or Friday afternoons here, and that's what I'm going to do. If I want to go keep to myself, there's a couple of other shops I can go to. If I want to have a cigar and talk about cigars, there's a shop I go to for that. So be read the room guy. Yeah, I think that's the best guy to be. I think to the very well done. I think to put a bow on it. Take a minute and read the room. Yeah. See what see what the the vibe is. See what the pulse is. Don't come in during the Super Bowl and start talking about religion. Um, you know. What was that? Two years ago we did that. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but and and if you bring an accomplice, it's always easier. Oh, like yeah. most things in life, I, I'm blessed. My wife is my greatest accomplice. And all, I'm blessed that I have that in my life. But I also have other accomplices. You're my accomplice in a lot of things. We we cornered Jay the other night. We, we were accompanying. <laughs> and also, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can get us on Facebook.com/slash/TheCigarCast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at TheCigarCast, and you can reach us via email at info@TheCigarCast.com. So I I deem my rescue cigar a success. Yeah. You've it's, made it most of the way through that, and you're still sitting pretty. The wrapper is held together well. The cap, which I thought would be an issue, has never become an issue. The burn has been smooth. The flavor has been ex- excellent. And I've smoked this particular cigar of Don Gonzalez's before, so I know that. You know, if I had to rate my rescue cigar, I'm going to rate it. This cigar normally rates a five and a half. Because I rescued it, I get to bump it a half a point. So this is now a six. I'm going to give... <laughs> I like that. Um, normally, we try and take our emotions out of the rating. Tonight, you're putting it right in there. I like it. Um, I'm going with a five. It's good, not great. Yeah, Palestine, Yeah, that's kind of where I was with it. It's good, not great. Well, thank you for everybody listening to us tonight. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. 